I was knocked down, heard the countdown through the haze in the face of defeat, yeah. I was ruled out with no bailout on my own, all alone, left to bleed out. But I rose up from the ground, just like I was spellbound, all the odds were against me. Hannah, welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good. Very much for giving up your time to come and speak to us today. Um, we're really interested to speak to you because of you. You've got a background in in education, psychology, um, but personal, but also personal experience with mental health and well-being. And with a lot of people, you know, being in lockdown for quite some time now, and and uncertainty around going back to work, and all of these other contributing factors, um, I think there'd be great benefit in. Uh, other people hearing from from people that have been through various experiences with with mental health and well-being and and the, the kind of the the steps you've managed to take and to move on past that point of view so yeah we're really really interested to talk to you about this yeah i mean i'm happy to talk about mental health all day um i know we're not going to talk all day so i'll try and keep it um but yeah thanks for having me and uh, really happy to be here tell us a bit about your uh, your experience remember how you remember when it really started or, or was it kind of a, a slow transition into into this experience that's quite a difficult question because i think it's something that sometimes you might have a massive life event and then mm. after that you can kind of see that that's clearly when it started but i probably now looking back from my teens at least had some stuff from life events to work through but it wasn't until I finished university and um, I went to some mental health awareness training Mm -hmm. for a new job that I had and I honestly nearly cried when they talked about depression because I was like oh my god that's me (laughs) like that's me Um, and I hadn't recognized it and I'd obviously had low mood and um, and difficulties kind of uh, doing things I'd enjoyed and and obviously the markers of depression but I didn't know that's what it was until someone had just gone through these are the things I was like oh (laughs) that's remember what those do you remember what those kind of things were how many how many down the list was it before you kind of thought hang on a second this rings a bell (laughs) well probably from the beginning I was like oh yeah that's me that's me that's me um but things like the um not enjoying things that you previously had the low mood the the feelings of uh, kind of not mattering or not being missed or being a burden to people, which can be quite common. Um, And then there's a lot around, I guess, around energy that either being really fast and really frenetic energy Mm -hmm. or being really slow and sleeping a lot and and those changes to sleep and to appetite and and those kind of things. And if I look back at uh, university I definitely had times where I struggled to get to lectures which is probably quite common but <laughs> I would just yeah. not be able to yeah <laughs> I mean how A much student that didn't, manage to get to, didn't get to lectures yet. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I was quite it's easy where you, you could miss that kind of thing though right because it's like you say it's quite yeah. common can, yeah and I, I mean I'm quite a geek really so I quite like learning mm-hmm. um but I'd struggle to get out of bed and just watch like a box set on repeat and I just didn't have the, the energy to do it and um kind of withdrawing from things that I'd enjoyed but I think the kind of big thing was that um I guess the emotional or lack of emotion there because for me my depression experience and it and it will vary for everyone but is 
it was a real sense of being kind of numb, of not really feeling anything, just kind of feeling empty and kind of, um, so yes, it's low mood and some people might have a really kind of powerful negative emotion, possibly or sadness, but I didn't have that. It was just kind of empty <laughs> and just numb. And um, yeah, so it's just, I was just kind of going through the motions a little bit. And I, um, so that was when I really, recognized it and you, fortunately do you, remember, do you remember how long you had that feeling for oh, a long time <laughs> i think i um yeah i think for for a long time through college um i'd had i was bullied at school which mm -hmm. had quite a big impact on my self-esteem and uh it's only now looking back that i realized how much of an impact it had and my parents went through quite a difficult uh, divorce which was very uh, unsettling um but then I just kind of got on with just kind of tried to get on with life and uh and I always have had um because I've had a few episodes now of depression it's always been high functioning depression um and so that's I, I still worked um mm -hmm. although probably <laughs> I, I do remember one period of time after I'd come out of an episode that my colleague said I was just like a robot and I thought I was <laughs> doing fine. I was like putting this effort into showing up and putting on that brave face or whatever. And then sleeping a lot when I got home, it really takes a lot of energy to, to show up and to put a mask on. So I thought I was performing well, but apparently I was just like a robot. <laughs> it's interesting how other people pick up on it, isn't it? When, even when you think you're doing a good job of hiding, a hard thing to hide when you're lacking that, that energy, yeah. the inner energy that, that comes with it. And, and I think that is really key, that inner energy, because there's lots of things that you just don't have the energy to do. So uh, the example I quite like to use is laundry. Mm -hmm. I'm quite proud. Look, I've got laundry behind me, which shows <laughs> I've done it because actually <laughs> I'm quite depressed. It's, it's not that I don't like laundry. I mean, it's not my favorite thing, but um, when I'm depressed, it's just so much effort. Like even trying to get your head around this thing that you, that you have to do and, and, but with depression, it could be even just having a shower. It's just, you just can't comprehend, like, how do you do that? It's just so much energy and you just can't do it. And um, so it is, re yeah, really about that, that energy. And, and that extends to the things that you love, the things that you enjoy, uh, the people in your life that actually you just, you maybe don't enjoy their company in the way you normally would because you just not really feeling anything um it sounds really bleak doesn't it? <laughs> no but it's, it's true i mean you know steve and i both had various spells of of you know similar kind of experiences as to mm. what you described from my own personal experience and i found that you kind of you procrastinate like you were just saying you know that you end up procrastinating on all of the little things that you need to do and then that ends up just building up and it becomes something that niggles in the back of your mind because you've got a load of jobs that you really should have done that you haven't done like you spend the whole weekend so it was for me it was just get to the weekend and i'll spend the whole weekend doing nothing and then because i'd done nothing come sunday night i knew i had a whole new week to wait until i could do something again but i didn't do anything again the following weekend and that went on for i I don't know, I think for me, it kind of like, it was a gradual, I don't even remember it starting or ending in any way, really. I kind of remember the end more than I do the, 
the, the, the beginning it could have been 10 years I, I honestly don't know mm. how long yeah and I think I can definitely see that I had several periods of depression where it was much more extreme mm-hmm. um and I say extreme for me not extreme as it would be for, for other people but it was only a couple of years ago looking back on all of that in a very cliched as I was about to turn 30 and I was like what's what have I done with my life and um, I realized that I had thought that I was depressed or I was fine and when I look back I was like "Mm, I wasn't really okay Mm -hmm. at all so I had obviously these more extreme periods of depression but the rest of the time I still wasn't really living because I still had really I basically I hated myself and it's kind of what I discovered and I think that had a big part with the depression because I just kind of didn't feel it was worth anything so I kind of wouldn't go for the things I wanted to do and then there's that kind of sense of not really living your life and I think that all kind of feeds into it but there was something really interesting that I noticed about a similar time when I started to actually try and do things that are supposed to be good for depression I kind of decided I'm, I'm not okay with not being okay so I need to do something about it and I noticed something interesting and I had never really thought I had anxiety but actually when the depression started to lift I, I felt anxiety because when I was depressed it was just flat and once that went a little bit I had ups and downs and then I got a lot of social anxiety and anxiety about stuff and I realized fear had been a big factor in my life but I had just hadn't really seen it because it had been hidden so that was quite an interesting uh, that is, a, that is interesting that the, uh, you know an emotion that's quite as strong as fear gets hidden by I guess the the numbness and the other thing that's more mm-hmm. at the forefront and do you, do you think the two were linked do you think there was an anxiety potentially anxiety earlier on that's kind of progressed into the depression yeah and i well i think for me i guess a lot of the the depression i think is about that not liking myself and holding myself back and and all of that and i think a lot of that came from this anxiety and this fear of being judged and, and what other people think and uh so i'm a big people pleaser or was trying not to be so much anymore um but i definitely think they were linked in that a a lot of the things where i was holding myself back was because of this anxiety but i just didn't really see that at the time so i think it's it's so interesting being able to look back and then kind of go oh maybe that's why i did or didn't do that thing Mm. um but i'm sorry i was going to say what do you think it would make, allowed you to be able to, you know, start to see it from that perspective? Because I think half the time, you know, when you, it's very, you, until you're able to see it from like almost a kind of a third party perspective, it's hard to take any steps to do anything about it. What, what do you, was it that, that training course that was the first moment you kind of real you managed to get that perspective? So I think that was when I really recognized the depression. Mm -hmm. And then I had a course of CBT at the time, um, sort of cognitive behavioral therapy. And um, and that helped to a certain extent, but I still had a few periods of depression after. And I've had, um, I've taken antidepressants a a couple of times. Um, 
but I think it was um, at this point a couple of years ago when I realized that actually even when I wasn't depressed I still wasn't really okay and that I needed to work on myself and I think depression can be kind of cyclical that you get these waves of depression and then um, and it lessens and so I guess I came to this realization in a slightly better place within the waves to be able to do something about it um, and so I you know did a bit of research googled things that are good for depression uh, you know the classic list and exercises at the top and <laughs> I was like oh so boring everyone says exercise <laughs> but <laughs> But I decided I'd just do it like an experiment. I'd just try it and see because like, what's the worst that would happen? Um, so I tried it. Shocker, it helped. Um, <laughs> they were all yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, they're obviously onto something. Um, so exercise, uh, trying to um, – comfort eating was a big thing that I did when I had low mood, which not necessarily the best because if you're just eating rubbish – you're not giving your body what it needs mm -hmm. so and that's still a work in progress so i'm not <laughs> not sat here as like i think a... we're all a work in progress on that one <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> i have to keep stuff out of the house otherwise i'm a vacuum for it <laughs> yeah yeah things like uh, sleep um but I, I yeah i just kind of tried out all of these things but i think the biggest biggest thing was I started to try and work on, on my mindset and on my relationship with myself because for me that was like a big thing at the root of it that I wasn't happy or anywhere close to happy because I had such a negative view of myself and I just wasn't okay with myself and so actually to make lasting changes like the exercise even that I had to kind of flip how I felt about it so it wasn't and I think for exercise for a lot of people it's maybe punishment like oh, I need to lose weight or I need to do this I have to go to the gym um, and so I tried to see it as actually I'm worth putting some effort in for myself even if I had to tell myself that at the beginning and didn't necessarily believe it but when I tried to do it from a place of nurturing myself it was easier to kind of commit to and I had to do a lot I'm still doing a lot of work on accepting myself and loving myself and um this isn't something that I've uh, said on, on my podcast or publicly before, but actually uh, a big thing was K-pop, which really? <laughs> sounds really silly, but, but I started listening to this K-pop band um, called BTS, who you might have heard of, uh, and they have this album all about loving yourself, and I kind of was listening to that and then actually kind of absorbed the message that I needed to love myself, and actually it was quite a big catalyst to kind of go oh, I actually do need to love myself. And um, yeah, so K-pop. <laughs> it's funny where you can find the messages when, you're, yeah. when, when suddenly you reach a point where you're open to receive some kind of message. You can find yeah. it in the most unlikely of places for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I, it was obviously just the right, um, right time to hear it. Um, and I think that's, there's a lot of people who will say about loving yourself. And I think... That's a lovely idea. It's a big jump from I hate myself to I love myself. So I just worked on trying to just be okay with myself and just accept who I was. And I really thought about the, the people in my life who I really cared about. And I had one friend 
who was great because she was kind of a bit like Marmite. She was a very, <laughs> very kind of eccentric character who I could see like some people were not a fan of her, <laughs> but she was just unapologetically herself. And actually the people that loved her really loved her. And it was like, well, she's just being herself and, it, and it's okay. And she doesn't care that some people don't like her. And I was like, I kind of want to be like that. You know, I, you know, actually, if I show up as myself, some people might not like it, but actually some people might really like it. And so, um, yeah. yeah having... did, you ever, um, did you ever, have you ever figured out what a trigger is for depression? Have you ever, now you've had many spells, do you think there's one, one thing that keeps cropping up as to what starts each time? It's mm -hmm. a great question. Um, and I haven't really <laughs> thought about it. Um, and I guess it's because over the, the last couple of years, I've, I've been in a better place that I haven't so much. But I think I have a bit of a track record of probably not doing what I really want to because of all this fear and anxiety. And I think sometimes it's that response to staying in a situation, whether it's career or relationship or something, that I don't really want to be in, but I'm kind of in denial with myself because actually making that change feels too difficult. Or So I'm just in a situation that I've got that kind of internal battle of I don't really want to be here, but I'm not going to admit that to myself. So I'm going to... Yeah stay in it so yeah. when it does like when it does kick off do you have now have a default way of dealing with it can you can you now say oh it's oh we've started again um it's because i'm doing something i don't particularly want to be doing do you then stop doing that to make yourself better or do you keep trying to find a way of having <laughs> the best of both worlds all the time <laughs> i think it depends what it is i think some things are easier to uh leave or change than others so um like career-wise i've got much better and um as david said I, I worked in education and i loved working with young people and helping them um a lot of what i did um so which in special education was helping them figure out who they were and, and their place in the world and all of that and and i loved that but the politics of being in a school and, and all of that just wasn't good for my mental health and before Christmas, I did um, a term teaching. I went back into education, just part-time, because I was like, that would be better for my mental health. And actually, the culture of the school and the way it felt, I could just tell that this isn't the right place for me to be. And I normally have real issues leaving a job that's not right, because I have this weird sense of like guilt or obligation, or what will they do if I leave? They can't possibly cope, which is it's a weird mix if you feel really insecure but it sounds like you're being really big-headed at the same time yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's and it really is from I think this insecurity of actually saying to someone well I don't want to work here anymore in a nice way um, and their reaction and whether you can handle that um, but I could just tell that this isn't the right place to be and I was really proud of myself that I actually made the decision to leave so I did a term which was like the shortest amount of time you can do in a school and then left again I love the students it was just that wasn't the right environment and so now um, I'm better at listening to myself and checking in with myself and I can recognize flags like warning flags that actually my mood's taking a dip so I need to look at 
what it is. And actually we talked about food, junk food is a big one. So when I notice I'm having more junk food, and I think it's that when I'm feeling really drained, I don't have the energy. So you're, I'm craving that high fat, high sugar food because mm-hmm. yep. I need that energy. So when I can recognize, actually, um, I've probably gone to McDonald's too many times this week. <laughs> yeah. uh, or, you know, there's chocolate wrappers all over my car. Um, this is a sign that I need to look at something. Um, and I think that is a really important thing to do for yourself to if you can identify your triggers which can be hard to do or your flags that something needs looking at can you turn it around quicker now i think so yeah because i think before i would just have gone into a depression and um and that could last a couple of months of uh withdrawing and um uh and and i'm not very good uh, reaching out for help and it's the thing that we always say to do it's so hard to do yeah. um because i didn't really tell people about it and so now i think it would be easier because i've kind of flipped and done a 180 and now i tell everyone yeah. about it so actually it'd probably be easier because i could be like oh you know how i talk about depression well actually i'm feeling <laughs> yeah. whereas when you don't talk about it at all then it, it feels so hard to reach out. Um, and I found, I don't know um, whether when you had periods of this, you found the same, particularly family. I found it so hard to talk to family about it. Um, I, yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. Only because, um, my, especially my mum, our mum, is the most positive person in the whole world and so no matter how big are your problem it's It'll all be gonna all right. be all right <laughs> and so you get frustrated with it I, I used to get really frustrated with it on the phone to my mum I'd be like you just don't understand you just don't understand because mm. everything's not going to be all right you can't tell me everything's going to be all right because that's not how I feel and mm. and so I did find it much easier to speak to other people and and Oh, the reason that I speak openly about mental health is so other people do. It's not really actually to help myself, um, especially if I'm feeling all right. I, I'll mm. talk about it anyway. And it's only because I want other people to know that it's all right to talk about it. And at least some, like, I'm going to listen to you if you're my pal and we can like discuss it or whatever, however you're feeling. Um, mm. But it really frustrates me that it's so taboo, really, to mm. talk about and... I don't know if it really is anymore to boo about. I, yeah. I, I often think, well, maybe everyone is all right. <laughs> they can't be. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's people are talking about it more, which is great. But I think uh, with your with your mum saying, "Oh, it'll be all right," it's it's a natural thing to do, isn't it? Because you want the person to feel better. But actually, the the message you're kind of getting is it's kind of diminishing how you're feeling a little bit. Yeah. Because it's like you're feeling absolutely terrible or rubbish or whatever they're like oh it'll be fine and it's and you really just feel not understood or not seen yeah. and that's something that's so important to to humans to kind of be seen and i always say that the most powerful thing like if you say if you don't know what to say you can just say like, i don't know what to say but you can just listen and be there for that person and not yeah. try and fix them or interrupt or offer all these solutions because yeah. that's not helpful 
and it can actually have an, a negative impact but just saying do you know what i don't know what you're going through but i am here for you yeah that is so so powerful absolutely yeah it's yeah. hard isn't it because as humans we we're fixers we do try and fix and it's hard when yeah. someone has that um has a challenge and you do want to solve the problem um but it's i think what you just said there is really important and try not to solve immediately because yeah. just the listening part most people end up solving their own challenges with the opportunity to be heard you know they kind of talk it talk themselves through the through the process anyway given enough opportunity to do so so yeah, yeah. sometimes it's just just being heard i think mm. And just by listening, and I think that's something I'm at the moment uh, going through that process of training to be a counsellor. And a lot of that is about being able to just listen and hold space because in normal life, we interrupt, we kind of think, oh, that's like the time I did whatever, or you offer solutions because that's kind of how social conversation works. Um, and actually when someone's talking about something like this, that's not really the kind of response they want. They want that space. And it's something, and I, I often do this now. If I'm trying to think through something, I'll audio record myself in, like in the car because then I can kind of talk through it. And then actually sometimes I find I've come to a solution just by having that space to think through it. And, and so what I would say to, to kind of uh, people, if there isn't anyone in their life that they think that, they one feel comfortable speaking to or can speak to who will just listen places like the samaritans which doesn't have to just be mental health it could just be feeling lonely and mm. wanting to chat it's really uh, helpful or therapy if you're going through a difficult time because they're they're trained to be able to support you in that way and to kind of yeah hold those powerful feelings for you and um, because i think for me with family I had this real sense of not wanting to upset my parents or burden them or all this kind of guilt and shame around it. Um, and actually, if you're seeing someone who is kind of their job to deal with, <laughs> to deal with your baggage, it's still difficult to open up to someone, but there's not that same kind of guilt or I'm going to upset them that there is with family and friends, I think. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. you know, your question um a little while earlier around you know what our experiences and what you just said there i think so many people always you're always asking people how they are or they ask you how you are and how often does anyone actually give an honest answer to that question you know how are you and most people oh yeah yeah i'm fine i'm fine and then often that's not really the case and it's a very difficult one to yeah because it's not often it's in passing isn't it you know well actually <laughs> And then unload. Suddenly, the person <laughs> got an awful lot more than they bargained for when they they asked how you were. So, um, yeah, it's really mm. really difficult. And I think trying to find maybe someone like you suggest there, someone independent, um, is a very good first step. And you may find that from that that point, then you're able to open up a bit more to to people that you know, having you know kind of got over that first that first step. Mm. Yeah. There, there are also other ways that you can um, help yourself to kind of think through things and express things. And I quite often will journal, so I just write 
and it's similar to the talking out loud just to kind of let stuff out have a rant <laughs> um and i have got some friends who might be like i just need to have a rant and they're like okay and then you just, they won't do anything they'll just let you rant at them for a bit and that's if you don't have a friend you can rant to i would suggest finding <laughs> someone because it's quite powerful just to be able to i don't need anything i just need you to listen while i just moan about stuff or let stuff out um, but also art can be a really good way of expressing and processing emotions and just letting them out. Because I think we, um, we can find it really difficult to go through those powerful emotions, so like anger or sadness or grief. And so we just try and bury them down, which is uh, not <laughs> the, the best way of dealing with them because eventually they're just going <laughs> to explode or they're gonna come and actually art can be a really good way of just channeling them or um and it doesn't have to be something you show people or for any reason just sorry just uh to to let them out and actually i say this and i've been talking about creativity for a little while on my podcast and i've like never had the time to do it yesterday i spent some time sat in the garden painting and it was so lovely and um it was just nice to be in the moment and and let stuff out and it it feels like it's quite a bright colorful painting so i guess it reflects that i'm in a a better headspace at the moment so it's nice Uh, and you know it's something they use for um kind of returning soldiers and that kind of thing now with ptsd Mm -hmm. is art to help process a lot of the, the the deep um ingrained kind of emotions and memories and that kind of thing so Mm. there's a lot to be said for art and and it's kind of a mindfulness type activity Mm. really because you are in the moment you're doing that you're not thinking about something that's niggling away that happened before you're not worrying about something that might happen in the future you're just distracting yourself and i think you know sports can be good for Mm. that kind of thing um any time any type of activity that requires you to be present um i've certainly found to be quite beneficial Mm. yeah well when i tried um exercise i discovered crossfit and that's something when when you're lifting a very heavy weight above your head you kind of got to be in the moment (laughs) no you've got to be in the moment for like a handstand against the wall like if you're not in the moment um but i think the the mindfulness thing is so true because i think a lot of the things that bring us down are when we're either living in the past or the future in our head and we're worried about something that might or might not happen or our interpretation of something that did happen or didn't happen because actually everything that's in our head is just our own interpretation of it our own story which might just be stuff we've kind of made up and it's like um with cbt the classic example is that you see someone and they don't say hi back to you and so automatic, you're like, oh, they're angry with me. I've upset them. No one likes me. That's just a story you've made up. And actually, probably more likely is they're busy. There's something going on with them. Whatever. It's our own stories that are the things that, that bring us down. And so actually, when you can just be in the moment and just responding in the moment, I think you're not telling yourself stories so much. You're just kind of responding. And I feel much happier when I'm in the moment. And um, yeah, any of those practices, like you said, the, um, the sport, the arts, 
meditation if that works for you and it doesn't have to just be sitting meditation it could be walking or sport as a form of just kind of being in flow mm -hmm. it helps you be in the moment and it does take time it's not a, a kind of quick fix but I think that definitely helps and I've noticed that I am much more living in the present now and um and I think that helps because for me a lot of my social interactions I was so anxious about what people thought and my head was just kind of going now I just try and just be in flow so that's kind of quiet because I'm just responding and you know people will think of me what they think of me and there's a, a, a great quote I heard from I think from Rachel Hollis who's a podcaster and speaker in, in the US and it's that other people's opinion of you is none of your business I like that because, that's very good yeah yeah because it's their own story it's shaped by their own experiences or how they're feeling on the day or whatever and it's it's nothing to do with you really mm. um yeah so so, so true I think yeah. so many people get caught up trying to um make people like them and and influence how people feel about them and and you could do everything under the sun and it's not going to guarantee how somebody else thinks or feels you, you one thing you can't do is control how anybody else thinks or feels because to your point there are a million contributing factors on any at any given single moment in time so mm. you know what they may be happy one you know it could have been 10 minutes later or earlier and it could have been a completely different reaction to meeting you than it was at that particular single moment in time so i think mm. freeing yourself from trying to influence how other people think and feel is a great first step definitely mm. something like kind of yeah take them on yeah i think it's a lot easier when you've reached a point of feeling better about yourself because i think if you don't feel good about yourself you kind of need that external validation from people but if you can get to a point where you're like i'm all right with who i am i'm an okay person maybe you love yourself and that's great but maybe you're just like i'm all right mm -hmm. then actually i think you're better able to tolerate people having a negative perception because you're like oh well <laughs> I know I'm all right so um and again it's not not in any kind of big-headed way it's just having enough self-acceptance and mm. kind of self-confidence to be like I'm not gonna let your opinion affect me and um yeah no I think that's good and one of the other things I took from um the Steve Steve Peters uh the chimp paradox and we spoke mm. about this previously yeah. was you know, a, detaching a lot of the our anxiety or frustration comes out of we we paint a picture of how an event should be or how something should be, and the fact the world should be fair and all of these things. And mm. the world isn't fair because, well, depending on your definition, at any given time, again, you know, it's a, a subjective thing. But the world technically, you know, really isn't fair. How you have decided a particular event or scenario should play out the rest of the universe hasn't signed up to it so there's no guarantee that's going to happen and i think we get ourselves attached to this is what's going to happen or this is what should happen and this is how things should be and you can quickly tie yourself up in knots because the chances of it all coming out the way you've hoped mm. it would or planned it would or, or really determined that it should have done it are quite slim I really love, um, along with that, where uh, he says about 
not having expectations in situations and that's when I read that um that's something that I've been doing of, of trying to let let go of that and it came up on the counseling course that I'm doing actually um I think we were talking about expectations of a certain part of the course and I was like actually I don't have any thoughts about how it's going to go I'm just in the moment see what happens because yeah I'm a lot happier when I just I don't bring too much of that into a situation and I can just yeah go with the flow a little bit and that's taken time to get to that point but yeah absolutely if you can just try and go with it let go of those expectations it does yeah. take a bit of practice for sure and it does there's many the good news is there's lots of uh, opportunity i found every single day to practice it because there's always some kind of scenario that will lead to something else and then you think well what's going to be the outcome of that a great example is this weekend you know leading up to seven o'clock yesterday the amount of speculation over what was going to be said you might as well just wait for, to see what's going to be said otherwise you'd sell yourself up in knots for two weeks trying to figure out what the various permutations are likely to be and you've still got a much higher chance of not working it out anyway and you still mm -hmm. have to wait to find out for sure so you might as well free up your own mental space uh in the meantime and wait and if it's if it's if if it's a scenario where it's out of your control is i would suggest try and park it and think about and go back to doing something that's in the moment so that you're not mm. dwelling because it's futile to not think of something by definition you're going to be thinking of it so you kind of i remember who it was that someone said when you, you worry about something like describe a tree because you know you, you can't be describing a tree and not thinking about you know and, and try not to think about something else at the same time mm -hmm. i think there's something um you know life is uncertain like always it's uncertain but we like to try and feel like we're in control and I think with everything that's happening at the moment, it's suddenly just made it really obvious to people, life's uncertain and we're not, <laughs> we're not a fan of that. Um, so we want to know what's going to happen. But actually, if you can just be in, in the flow, it's kind of like just riding a wave that you're just kind of responding to what happens. So you're not kind of clinging to certainty or control in the same way. So I think when you can be more present, you can deal with uncertainty more because you're just responding to everything mm -hmm. that comes up. And I think it is that kind of being too much in the expectations and how things should be that then the uncertainty just kind of throws us. So we want the answers. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Anna. Mm. I think we you know, being able to take that step back and view how you're thinking and feeling in a situation and, and being able to assess it's the, it's the one thing that kind of separates us as humans from the other animals is, be, is being able to actually you know perceive our own existence um and mm -hmm. so it's being able to develop that to those tools um through you know meditation or any other kind of mindfulness techniques like you say that can be um sport or art or those kind of things i think makes makes such a big difference mm. any other I advice you'd give to some somebody who maybe is listening to this and thinking a bit like you did when you were on that course uh-huh some of these things resonate with me mm -hmm. what, would you, what, what would you suggest to anyone in that position yeah so i think there is a lot more information out there now that you can go to and i tend to refer people to 
mind their website has a lot of information or rethink mental illness somewhere like that if you're trying to figure out is this explaining my experience and um, and they also have tips and advice on there um, I would absolutely recommend talking to someone if you can or finding a way to to try and process what's going on for you um, and I think finding something like we've been saying about the kind of mindfulness or the exercise there is a reason that these things keep coming up as suggestions the exercise the mindfulness because they do actually help but it's not a one-size-fits-all thing so some people love running and it helps I'm not a runner that's <laughs> not for me um so trying different things not just trying one thing once and then going oh well that didn't help it's really it's like a trial and error approach to find the thing that works for you and it might be running or a seated meditation type thing it might look different um so just kind of trying and and i think the biggest thing is knowing that it's it's not just you you're not alone and i think uh, there's still a lot of shame around mental illness um there's nothing that's like inherently wrong with you it's just something that can happen in the same way a physical part of your body can have issues at times and i think that can really help to kind of separate from that feeling of um of shame that actually there are other people who kind of get it or who've been through it um and that it's kind of okay it's it's quite normal actually to um to go through it and I think that's a really powerful reminder because when you're in it you just kind of feel so alone sometimes and that no one knows what you're going through or understands and how am I going to get out of it so um yeah just remember that actually that's just your mind telling you that and really other people have been through it and you're not alone and that there is help and support out there so. yeah that's great advice yeah. I think um definitely go and speak to speak to somebody just find somebody to speak to um, and don't be ashamed because I think pretty much everybody will go through some kind of episode of some description in their life I think it's impossible not to there's so many mm. uh, external pressures there's so many internal pressures that at some point you're not going to feel great either about yourself or about the situation that you're in and it's important to find somebody to to talk to and and it you know the we we laugh about our mother saying everything will be okay it will you just might not want to hear that as the first thing that you hear but um mm. it's good to know that you can come through and uh, but you do need to speak to people mm. and you might find that when you reach out to someone and say this is how i'm feeling that they're feeling something similar or that they can relate to it um i think part of depression we almost become really like um self-centered because it's just you in your own little world and actually when you reach out you might be surprised who has been through something similar that's great been really good to talk to you um and you mentioned your podcast earlier if you let yeah. everybody know where they can uh, find you if they want to hear a bit more that'd be great yes yeah, so my podcast is on iTunes and Spotify and it's called the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast and it's Psyche with a K rather than a C um, just because I'm awkward um, and it's, uh, it's um, the Greek goddess of like the soul and the spirit and it's the root of the word psychology and I 
I quite liked that and everything is symbolized. So it's on iTunes and, and Spotify and we dive into mental well-being generally, but we also do episodes on specific mental illness experiences that people have gone through. So Brilliant. Well, we'll make sure there's uh, links to your podcast uh, when this goes live. Uh, and thank you very much for giving up your time to come and speak to us. It's been really interesting and uh, hopefully we'll speak again in the not too distant future. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, you're welcome, Hannah. I was knocked down, heard the countdown through the haze in the face of defeat, yeah. I was ruled out with no bail out on my own, all alone, left to bleed out. But I rose up from the ground, just like I 